It's me, Mickey. <laughs> it's Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland Park. Gonna be so cool! Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland Park is on very special nights, September 23rd through October 31st. Visit Disneyland.com/party for ticket prices and details. Space is limited. again and welcome to my dear listeners uh, to Voices of the Sacred Feminine broadcasting across the globe for uh, shoot I think it's coming up on 10 years now pretty soon Uh, it's here where we discuss sex power politics and religion all those things I was told growing up that nice girls just didn't talk about uh, that we weren't supposed to bother our pretty little heads with and we certainly didn't talk about it at the at the dining room table yes uh, that's what they taught us there in New Orleans and uh, but you know looking back on it now that uh, we've all opened our eyes and we're all smarter uh, who did that serve Certainly not me or the women I knew, but we uh, took responsibility for our own education. We got smart. We got a clue. And, um, you know, we know that those are exactly the things we need to be talking about, sex, power, politics, and religion. You know, we didn't settle for what they wanted us to know, uh, just what they preached from the pulpit or what maybe our family told us at the dining room table. There was so much more we need to find out and raise our awareness. And uh, that's what we share here. Uh, We're shouting it from the rooftops because, you know what, information, that's what changes the world. Yes, indeed. So welcome back, my listeners. Uh, This week, um, I I hope um, you survived the summer in the heat. Um, You know, I I hope uh, you had some great vacations and... uh, uh, because you know what, already the Halloween stuff, the Thanksgiving stuff, the Christmas stuff, uh, it's, it's sure out in my stores. I don't know about yours, but uh, it's about this time when those things start to surface. I remind us we have to give ourselves permission not to be good little consumers. <coughs> and I have to beg your forgiveness because I do have a cold. So on occasion, I think I'm probably going to cough but um, not a whole lot I can do about it. So uh, thank you, uh, thank you in advance. Now I uh, want to give a shout out to uh, Alea Deo. Uh, thank her for the use of her music and um, some of what you were listening to. 
was from her cut called Time Stood Still. <coughs> and tonight um, I have with me Siren. Uh, Siren is going to be uh, talking to me about uh, one of our foremothers as we do um, <coughs> Excuse me. As we do a tribute to Shekinah Mountain Water, uh, Siren uh, had her first experience of the divine as goddess when she was a child, uh, but she didn't have a name for what she experienced until later when she was a teenager. She's walked the path of the priestess ever since. Uh, she received her initiation at 18, and she's been active in the goddess community for over a decade, including co-founding the Mother Grove Goddess Temple in Asheville, North Carolina, uh, the Shekinah Mountain Water Memorial Fund, and serving as a community and devotee priestess. She identifies as a polytheistic, goddess-centered witch and priestess and offers teachings and mentorship to students and emerging leaders. She's also an herbalist writer and a nonprofit consultant. And uh, the website, if you want to know more about what we're going to talk about tonight, about the Shekinah Memorial Fund, is, uh, is just that. Uh, the website name is Shekinah Memorial Fund, and we're spelling Shekinah, S-H-E-K-H-I-N-A-H. <coughs> so, Siren, <coughs> welcome to the show. Thank you. And again, I'm sorry, uh, my voice is uh, sort of coming in and out here. We'll, I'll do my best with you tonight. But um, I was glad uh, when you contacted me with the idea of um, paying tribute to Shekinah Mountain Water because I think you contacted me right about the time <clears throat> um, they were trying to do something for Merlin Stone. And uh, as incredible as Merlin Stone was, uh, you know, and... and uh, Oh, you know, what she contributed to our community, you know, that there's hardly words for. And I know how hard it was. You know, it was such a struggle, uh, you know, to get um, to get all the pieces in place. And, you know, even when her book came out, uh, you know, the tribute to her, um, you know, I don't think it was well supported in the community. And it's, um, you know, so these are difficult things to do, but uh, certainly necessary things to do because, uh I feel like we have to make sure, you know, we archive this legacy, you know, of um, of our of our especially our female foremothers, uh, because you know there's a dearth of uh, history. I think for women, you know, there's tons of stuff for the men, but it, you know, uh, we find out every time Women's History Month rolls around, you know, we're reminded, you know, how the women are often forgotten, and uh, you know, I I applaud you for trying to make sure that doesn't happen with Shakina. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I feel like our as women we're so often cut off from our history um, that you know it's just really important to kind of carry that torch forward. And you know, we don't necessarily always have to agree with our foremothers, but I think our respect for the work that they did and you know learning where they came from is really what is going to help connect us moving forward. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm yeah, really so trying to carry that torch. <clears throat> well, again, I think it's always interesting to know, you know, what ma- motivated our foremothers, how they were inspired. Um, you know, I know we can't all, um, you know, we can't think think alike, like with a hive mind. I mean, you know, we're not the Borg. <laughs> um, you know, we're all going to, you know, sort of have our, 
uh, you know, I I think we're probably all pretty eclectic, you know, when it comes down to it. But, but, you know, that diversity, I think, can also be our strength if we don't let it be the thing that, uh, you know, that divides us. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and my, you know, especially as a polytheist, my whole ideal is that there's such a, a beautiful diversity in the world of, you know, people and spirits and plants and places and that that is what makes all of this so beautiful. And, you know, once we really can kind of embrace that without trying to tear it down, um, you know, that's how we can really kind of take back our power. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, we have, I mean, we've done so much, but there's still so much to do. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I've interviewed some folks who are a bit older than me and who've been at this longer than I and, um, you know, they tell me what incredible progress we've made, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it. You know, I, I know Patrick <laughs> McCollum was on the show, and, you know, he said uh, 40 years ago, you know, when he talked about goddess in public, his, uh, you know, his, uh, he was threatened uh, that uh, people were going to firebomb his house. You know, and I mean, things have changed drastically when you think about it. You know, the idea of the mm-hmm. sacred feminine is just alive all over the place. I mean, heavens, I, I mean, there's a lot of us goddess advocates who are going to, you know, have speaking spots at the Parliament of World Religions next year. So, you know, we are, um, you know, we are moving forward. And I think uh, we owe a lot to people like Shakina and, you know, all of our foremothers that blaze that trail. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I and I think it's important, too, to kind of, um, you know, kind of keep hold of some of that initial intentions that our foremothers had. You know, it seems like a lot of times when we start moving forward, we kind of lose some of that essence, and we, you know, sometimes decide to just go mainstream um, to make it more acceptable, and we kind of lose some of that, so... Yeah, yeah, I've I've noticed that actually. You know, I I look at Rianne Eisler's work today. I look at Jean Shinoda Bolin's work today, and um, I mean, you know, it was Rianne Eisler's work that first, um, partly in large part, her and Merlin Stone, their work is what drew me into this and helped me realize this wasn't a feminist fantasy. And now you don't find Rianne Eisler talking about goddess anymore. She's talking about caring economics and partnership society, which are Mm -hmm. are goddess ideals, but, you know, she's sort of carefully, I think, um, gone more mainstream with the message. Uh, And, you know, in a way maybe that's the smart thing to do because if you're going to try to change the world, maybe it's easier to, you know, to talk to people about caring economics than it is about goddess ideals. You know, maybe you'll get more people Mm -hmm. to listen um, you know, I know Rian, uh, um, Jean Shinoda Bowen, uh, you know, she still talks about goddess archetypes, but, um, you know, it not, not, you know, she's not talking like a goddess practitioner like Shakina was. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you think if, uh, Shakina had, uh, had lived, she would have, um, you know, sort of gone a little bit more mainstream or you think she would have always been her witchy self doing her witchy thing. <laughs> oh no, she Shakina was a radical through and through. Um, you know, for better or for worse, that was that was her calling and that was her place in the goddess wave. Um what is what she called it. So she had this ideal of um she called it the goddess wave and she said everyone is at some place on this wave, you know, politically and spiritually 
And wherever you are is fine, but it's helpful to know where you are. You know, if you're on the tip of the wave, um, which is where she considered herself to be, to know that you are kind of at that front line and you are that front runner and um, kind of the person with the newest ideas and that that can be a really hard place to be sometimes, but that it's a very important place. And mm-hmm. I think for her, that's absolutely where she was and wanted to be. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, I, I, I usually use the metaphor, you know, we're blazing a trail with our pink-handled machetes. You know, I just have that visual, <laughs> you know, seeing us hacking, you know, hacking away at that path. Um, well, well, let's start off. I mean, for, I'm sure some of my listeners don't even know Shakina, so let's kind of go back to the beginning. Um, first, tell me um, how you know her, and um, you know a bit about. Um, uh, you know, she passed a, a number of years ago. Uh, people should mm-hmm. know she's. You know, she's. Uh, you know, she's no longer with us. Um, you know, just sort of bring us up to date and uh, sort of you know lay the groundwork, and then we'll talk more about her work and what you're trying to do with her memorial. Absolutely. So um, Shekinah Mountain Water was a foremother of the goddess movement um, and of the woman spirit movement. Um, She kind of fell in love with the goddess in the 70s. Um, She came from a background of of music. Her background was always um, the muse and folk music. So through that, she kind of entered into awareness of goddess and started composing music for her. And, you know, then she would, you know, she dabbled in a lot of different spiritual traditions until she kind of had this awakening or this awareness of goddess. Um, So it was at that point that she, um, you know, kind of around the same time as the Budapest and some of the others, um, really kind of started that women's awakening process. And she was right there on the ground um, when that happened. So... We really have a lot to credit to her um, for where we are now as far as feminism and women's spirituality. So um, now I, I know, um, and, and now I could be wrong about this because somebody just asked me uh, this question the other day. They said, was it Z Budapest who created, you know, who came up with uh, Dianic spirituality? Um, and I said, well, I think so. Uh, but I wouldn't swear to it, you know. Um, do you know, and if and, and do you know if Shekina considered herself Dianic? Um, Shekina did not consider herself Dianic. Um, she called her path war- woman spirit, um, which was she considered distinct from Dianic. Um, and but they all kind of came about at that same time out of that. Um, you know, feminism and uh, awakening of women's spirituality. So they're very much related and kind of consider them sisters, um, but they are definitely distinct. Can you explain how how they're distinct? Yeah, so um, for Shakina, um, for example, she welcomed men into circle. Um, Not all the time. She definitely fought very hard for uh, women's spaces, but she wasn't opposed to having men in circle, and she taught men... Um, mysteries of the goddess. Um, she also didn't view gender as either or. Um, she kind of viewed it as elemental qual- uh, qualities in which humans could embody in different combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her, there was no polarities or and no opposites. Um, and she really kind of saw the goddess as containing all and everything flows from her. 
but the male was still very integral to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, you were saying a minute ago, you know, we're all at different places, I think, on the wave. And, you know, I think that's another way to describe how we even evolve on our path. You know, we're at different places Mm -hmm. at different times. And, um, you know, I can remember as a, you know, as a young newbie, you know, years and years ago, uh, having all of the emphasis on the feminine because we had, you know, uh, the feminine had been swept beneath the rug and we had to reawaken that and let people know what had been devalued and reclaim it again. So, you know, we always talk about, okay, so the pendulum has to swing over there, um, you know, (laughs) while we teach the world, but eventually it's going to come back to center. And, you know, I think... um, you know, for me now, you know, I, I've I've sort of gotten to this point where I never thought I'd be, where I feel like, you know, I wish we could stop talking about gender and we just sort of see people as people and then we mm-hmm. wouldn't get into all of this, you know, male, female, you know, all of the, you know, sometimes the, the challenges that sap our energy um, you know, if, if I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is I think I now I've come to the point where I agree with how you just described uh, Shekinah's theology, you know, um, mm-hmm. it, it, because it, I think it's much more whole. Right, yeah, and it's, and it's a reflection of that diversity that we see all mm-hmm. around us. You know, there is no, um, you know, in nature there's really not any polarities. It's all... Um, you know, varying degrees and, you know, multitude of diversity. And, um, you know, we reflect that as well. You know, we can't continue to put ourselves into boxes um, just because we're told that's what we have to do. You know, we have that power to really claim our own identities, whatever that may be, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, go from there. So. so what do you think, you know, were her biggest contributions? I mean, I think, you know, she was a musician. She did tarot. Uh, she wrote mm-hmm. books. Um, you know, what do you th- what do you think were her biggest contributions? You know, um, I mean, she did so much. Um, you know, her book Ariadne's Thread um, is really this book kind of contains a whole theology, a whole cosmology, a whole way of being in the world that is um, woman and goddess centered, yeah. and it's just. Um, you know, when you take it as a whole, it's really just a um, just a really beautiful offering that I think has affected a lot of women. Um, and you know, is it in that still in print? Just, can can you still get copies? You can find them used online um, and even in used bookstores pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that um, her daughter, through um, Shakina Works, the her legacy estate, is doing is working on. Um, uh, EPUB version of the book so that it will at least be available, you know, as a PDF electronic version for people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so hopefully that, you know, that will be out there soon. I think right now she's working on finding some women to help. The book basically has to be recreated from from scratch and retyped um, because it's, you know, fairly old. So the electronic copies they have aren't good enough. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> So so her book was, uh, was that the only book she ended up writing in her life? It is. She did write a small, um, a short guidebook uh, for the woman runes, which is another 
one of her contributions. Um, she created an entire rune system um, that is for women, but the rune system itself is really, um, really it's for everyone, I think. Um, the runes are just very magical, simple symbols um, that really kind of take some of the patriarchal influence out um, from some of the traditional rune systems. So um, she did write a guidebook to go along with that, um, which okay. is available. And then, yeah. So um, <clears throat> if uh, most of her teachings, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying not to cough. If most of her um, of her teachings were woman-centered, did men fully participate, or were they sort of, sort of on the periphery? Um, let's see. Well, I'm not. Hmm. I'm not quite sure I know what that means. <laughs> well, like for instance, I know um uh, okay, if some you know going back to some of the teachings um of of you know in my early days, sometimes it was about our sacred blood, it was about, you know, women's body, um and you described I think unless I um you know, I, I, I'm I'm uh, mistaken. Uh, I think you said a lot of her work was woman-centered. So, by uh, mm-hmm. maybe the best thing to ask you then is, what do you mean by woman-centered? Because when you say that, that makes me think, well, where does you know we, you know since she included men, um, how did that? How did she reconcile that? You know? Yeah, and I think that was something that she was you know, continually reconciling for herself. Um, you know, I do know that she, you know, if a, if a man approached her and was interested in learning about the goddess mysteries um, and the feminine mysteries, she would be open to teaching that person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, insofar as, you know, of course, that person's not going to know what it is to bleed, so they, you know, may not understand that portion. But the rest of it, um, you know, is certainly accessible to anyone that really... Right, wants to right. have that connection with goddess. So. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear that because, you know, I honestly didn't know she was, um, uh, you know, that she taught men too. I thought she, I thought she only taught uh, women, and you know, because I've always been an advocate for uh, including men because, you know, I'd hear over and over and over again, you know, oh, we don't want men in our circles; they just don't get it. And I would say, but how do we ever expect them to get it if we don't teach them, you know? How do mm-hmm. we ever expect them to revere our sacred bloods if we don't teach them what that means, you know? Right. Um, it's mm-hmm. it, as if they were going to get it through osmosis or something, you know? <laughs> and uh, But, and, but you know, and I, I would meet a lot of resistance with that, you know, because some mm-hmm. women would equate, you know, including men in these teachings as somehow... Um, <clears throat> how what, what, what's the best words? You know, it, it, you know, as if it was a traitor to women, as if you know women had some sort of uh, um, monopoly on goddess. You know, it's like there was a mm-hmm. res- like they like men were intruding. I think that's a good way to put it. You know, they were yeah. intruding on this special thing that women had with goddess. And um, I know for myself, you know, growing up you know, dreaming of rebirthing goddess in the world, I know I wasn't just dreaming about rebirthing her just for women. You know, it was for everybody. Right. <laughs> you know, how else would we change the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, it, it's so uh, it now her, so she had tarot and music. Uh, did she play an instrument or did she just sing or both? Or? 
Um, she sang and played guitar. Okay, so so yeah, she kind of had more of a a folksy sound. <clears throat> yeah, her um, she definitely was kind of more in that folksy camp, um, but uh, her music is. I mean, it's really hard to describe. I mean, her. I mean, first of all, her her voice is just beautiful and completely just etheric. And you know, the songs she wrote, of course, were very goddess oriented. Um, so you know, she wrote a lot of um, she did a lot of storytelling through song. Mm-hmm. So you know, she kind of she would retell a lot of myths from um, a female point of view, and then you know would write you know songs to the goddess and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and her music is it, it is available, yeah. Um her daughter has put up a YouTube uh channel with uh some versions of her songs up on there. And there are a few CDs available I think. So Oh well that's wonderful. So so yeah. you can just uh Google Shakina Mountain Water YouTube and some of this stuff will come up. Mhm. Yep. Okay. Um, it, well, one of the things you wanted to talk about were her struggles uh, as a priestess and a goddess woman. What um, what was that about? Um, so, yeah, this is always, I think, a little challenging to talk about because, of course, she's not with us anymore, so she can't say for herself what her greatest struggles were. Um, but I know for me what I saw and what I spoke with her about um, was a lot about just the general lack of support and how she felt very ostracized from both the goddess community and the lesbian community and the feminism community um, because she just felt like she didn't quite fit in in any of those places um, because she was either, you know, too radical or too spiritual, um, you know, or, you know, you know for, for any number of reasons. Um, right, She just right, felt like right. she didn't have the support. Yeah, so um, I think for her that was a very a very deep wounding, um, mm-hmm. and really kind of affected her work in a lot of ways. Well, you know, uh, you know, we were we were, uh, you know, spoke a little bit about that before we uh, we went on the air, and um, you know, I I think there are a lot of us that feel that way. I mean, I'll say myself that um, you know, ever since I ever stuck my neck out to. Uh, whether it was write books or teach classes or do the radio show, there's always some woman out there looking to chop your head off. You know, um, mm-hmm. you're e- you're either too liberal. You know, um, you're uh, you know why are you a feminist? Feminists, you know, fer- feminists are horrible people. Or you know, you get it from the other side. You're not radical enough. You know, or mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, and I can remember coming up as a as a young priestess. Oh well, some people are real priestesses, and others are just playing at it. Or some people are real ritualists, and other people just can't do it. Or now the thing is, oh, are you a real Dianic, or, um, or, or you're not really a purist enough to be it? You know, it's all we we find all of these ways to hurt each other, to divide mm-hmm. ourselves. When and to me, see, I think it's crazy because. You know, we're the marginalized gender. We're the ones getting 80 cents on the dollar. You know, we're the ones uh, discriminated against, the glass ceiling, uh, female genital mutilation. All of this stuff happens to us. Why in the heck, you know, can't we figure out a way to be in solidarity with one another mm-hmm. instead of 
fighting one another. It's it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah, and I really think, you know, and that's, I think, a tool of patriarchy and capitalism and, you know, hierarchy is, you know, the word that a lot of people use, like to use now. Um, and, it's, and it really, it just keeps us fighting with each other, you know, so that we're tearing at each other and wasting all of our time and energy fighting with each other when we're the ones that are being oppressed, you know, all of us, mm-hmm. you know, really regardless of gender and, you know, class, unless you're the top 1%, you are getting screwed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> in some way or another. Siren, what was yeah. the what was the um what was the defin what was the word you used? I don't think I've ever heard that word before. Uh kiriarchy. Kiriarchy. Yeah, it's spelled yeah, it's spelled K Y R I A R C H Y. And um, and it means and it means what, basically? Um basically it, it it's a word it's a term for the system of oppression that encompasses you know patriarchy and capitalism and racism and you know all of those isms that work you know together to oppress us right okay yeah. okay all right that's a, that's another good word we're going to have to um you know make sure that word uh, sees the light of day <clears throat> and mm-hmm. and um and and becomes more a mainstream word you know because i yeah. i don't know i i find that because, um, I mean, we have a lot of words that we need to re- rehabilitate. Feminist, pagan, witch, priestess, you know, all of these, uh, kiriarchy. Um, you know, we, we need to um, start reclaiming these in, in a powerful way. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, Phyllis Chesler, who um, wrote Women's Inhumanity to Woman, um, and she got a lot of flack for bringing this sort of thing to the forefront. You know, pe- women considered her, um, in some cases, <coughs> a traitor. You know, it's like, you know, it's the elephant in the living room, but don't talk about it. You know, maybe nobody will see it. We'll just pretend like, you know, it's not happening. And I think sometimes, you know, I think people are doing that with capitalism now, you know. Mm-hmm. While some of us are demonizing capitalism, as it, you know, rightly so, other people, oh, don't say that, you know, or trickle-down economics. We can't say that doesn't work and that that's a sham or capitalism is a sham or so many of the things that shackle us, you know. Um, right. You know, and, and so we um, become our own jailer, I think by uh not being a, not being willing to look at these things. Right. Yeah. And you know, especially as witches, we know the power of naming things. And once we name something and speak that, then we're forced to face, you know, the consequences of that and what that really means for us in our lives. So if we really start looking at these things, then we're going to be forced to a address the harm that it has caused us address the harm that has caused us to cause each other, and then address the harm that it's causing to the world around us. And that's a really big, huge, scary thing. <laughs> and and, and you know. so you're saying you think that's why we, you know, just look the other way because it, it feels like too too much to bite off and, and fix? I think so, yeah. yeah. And we just don't know. We don't know how to fix it. We don't know how to start um, and... You know, and in a lot of ways, that's you know that's constructed. I mean, that's you know forced yeah. down upon us, you know, by the powers that be. You yeah, know, oh, it's always been this way. No There's power. no other way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, I'm so thrilled. I'm actually going to have Richard Wolf 
um, on my show in December. I just booked him this week, and I just saw mm. him on PBS. And he's talking about, um, you know, how Americans have to look at uh, the demise of the United States, you know. I mean, it's, it's a horrible thing to say. But, you know, talking about this idea that, you know, economists call the United States a mature econ- economy. And that means <clears throat> that their growth is not here anymore. Growth is over in these other countries where corporations can pay slave wages and so, you know, we're left struggling the way we're struggling, you know, with the uh, uh, income disparity and, you know, people not making enough money at their job or having to, t- you know, have three jobs uh, because their pay is so low and all of these sorts of things. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's a socialist. And, uh, you know, one of the things he talked about is how we have lost our history. Uh, people mm-hmm. don't remember that it was the labor unions with the socialists, with the communists, that got um, um, oh the the uh, Roosevelt to put in place things like social security, you know. And mm-hmm. I and you know, and to be honest with you, I don't remember ever learning that in school. Now I grew up in the South, and so that probably wasn't a politically correct thing to teach your children that the communists and the socialists uh, were actually doing good things for the workers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the evil ones, you know. And um, so anyway, it's, it's, you know, it just goes back to this, you know, we really do have to be responsible for our own education. And, you know, people like Shekina and so many of our foremothers, um, you know, had the courage to be out there on the front lines, Um you know, talk in this new alternative religion, this new alternative world. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of this really informed um, Shekinah's spirituality as well. You know, she was raised by Marxist parents. So for her, you know, these concepts of of radicalism and socialism were not, um, you know, quite as out there as um, they may have been for some other women that were doing this work around the same time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you know, for her, it was very much a part of part of what she was doing. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't know that about her either. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, well, so I guess you're saying, you know, you can't really uh, pinpoint, uh, you know, because all of her stuff was so good. Her music, her her book, her her tarot, uh, her ruins, um, you know, all of it. You feel has really sort of. Uh, stands the test of time. It's all still um, really special. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I'm certainly biased. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love all of her work, and all of it has been very influential on me. Um, so so what, how, how did you know her? What was your relationship with her? Mm-hmm. So um, I primarily knew her online, um, and, you know, we would talk on the phone and things like that. Um, I helped, so I met her, I'm really awful with remembering years, so I'm going to say it was like 2001, 2002, and um, we met online through a mutual friend, and it was right around that time that she was thinking about, um, you know, branching out more online because she had such a lack of support, um, you know, in her real life, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, She thought online might be an avenue for her, so um, I helped her uh, create a Yahoo group called Boonspells, and it was kind of a, 
an offshoot of her blog. Um, you know, she thought she'd be able to reach more women that way. And it really, it just took off. I mean, I remember within a week, you know, we had probably 500 women joining the group. Wow. Um, yeah, so, you know, it really, um, I think, kind of became a, a central point of contact and a way for her to really reach uh, people in a way that she hadn't been able to do before. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, through that, she, you know, was doing a lot of teaching, a lot of writing, um, you know, really just kind of trying to share what she'd been working on for so long. Um, and then she established, you know, a, another teaching group. Um, and then, you know, toward the end of her life, she established an online coven, um, all of which I was, you know, kind of involved with. So, um, you know, and I remember, you know, I really, I miss our long late night talks. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I still get emotional thinking about that. Just, you know, the hours and hours that we would spend just talking about everything from, you know, everyday stuff to feminism to religion to spirituality to the movement. Um, she just really informed my life and my path, um, for which, you know, I'm eternally grateful to her for. You know, so when she passed in 2007, I really I really felt like it was a part of my role to really kind of carry that torch forward. Um, you know, she wasn't, her tradition wasn't necessarily initiatory in that it was hierarchical or lineage-based, but... Um, you know, I definitely felt like it was important to kind of to still carry that legacy and that and that tradition forward. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, now, uh, refresh my memory. Um, I know Shakina was out here in California, but I don't know mm-hmm. if she was on a visit or if she lived out here. Um, where was her home? Uh, she lived in Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz. Okay, okay. And now okay. you're in uh, you're in Asheville, North Carolina, though you um, uh, you run Mother Grove Goddess Temple. Is is that a brick and mortar temple, or or it, is it more, you know, a, a coven type thing? Um, well, actually, r- right now I'm in Portland. Um, oh, I just okay. To Portland, Oregon. Yeah, but I did co-found the Mother Grove Goddess Temple in Asheville when I was there. Um, which is still thriving and doing some really incredible things, and I really I miss them very deeply. It's my heart home. Um, you know, when you kind of found something like that, it stays with you. So, um, but it is a brick and mortar um, operation, if you will. Um, it's a 501c3 federally recognized church, as opposed to you know a nonprofit religious organization. They actually do have church status. Mm-hmm. Um, so they. And they, you know, rent an office space um, in downtown Asheville, and they've been looking for land to build a Cobb Temple upon and kind of build some community around that. But right now they've been, yeah, they do, you know, rituals for the Sabbaths, for the Espits. They do religious education. Um, They have a priestess training program. Um, But they don't have their own temple space yet, just an office space. Well, the office space is a temple space. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. And and tell me, you know, myself having come from New Orleans, and honestly, when I lived in New Orleans, I didn't know anybody that was into this. I don't, um, is it difficult doing this kind of work in North Carolina? Well, Asheville is kind of, 
uh, hippie oasis, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. kind of a, a new age mecca, for better or for worse. Um, so there's been a thriving pagan community there, excuse me, uh, for decades. Um, you know, uh, my dear friend Byron Ballard is um, a native to the area, and she's been involved in that work for, I don't know, 30-something years. Um, so. And now you're going to Portland, and that's another uh, that's another place where uh, you can continue this work without having to worry. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's well, definitely good. seems to be an undercurrent of, you know, general paganism here. So I don't feel quite so outcast. <laughs> okay. Now, um, you also wanted to talk about, uh, well, well, wait, I, I don't want to shift over there yet. Um, um, tell me about Shekinah Works and the Memorial Fund. Um, so Shekinah Works is um, her intellectual estate, and it's uh, being handled um, by her children. She has a, da- a daughter and a son, and um, her daughter, I believe, is the one primarily handling it. She's the one that I have the most contact with. Um, so she's really in the process of kind of gathering the threads of her mother's work. Um, so like I said, she put up the YouTube site, um, She's working on the e-publication of Ariadne's Thread. And the really exciting project is that she's found an artist to kind of reproduce Shakina's tarot. Mm. So um, right now um, she's in the process of, you know, trying to find women who have a real direct experience with Shakina's tarot. You know, maybe they got a reading from her and they have a record of it um, or they have some notes from her or something like that to kind of help create that guidebook um, because unfortunately, especially toward the end of her life, um, Shekina was really trying to wrap up a lot of projects, but a lot of things were left unfinished. Yeah. So in particular, her tarot guidebook um, has just hasn't surfaced yet. So uh, she's trying to recreate that. Now she, uh, I believe she passed away from, uh, was it uterine cancer or something similar? Something similar, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now her memorial fund, uh, are they looking for uh, outside support? Is there some sort of Indiegogo campaign or anything like that? Um, so um, the memorial fund um, has been going for a little over a year now, but we're just at the point, um, and I'm, this is the first time I'm announcing this, so yay, but the uh, Mother Grove Goddess Temple has agreed to provide um, fiscal sponsorship for the Memorial Fund um, so that we'll be in the position to be able to start fundraising and granting scholarships, um, hopefully very soon. <laughs> okay. Um, I, yeah. I'm curious, did uh, Shakina have a mentor? Um, you know, uh, she spoke of a lot of women that were very important to her, such as Diane Stein and um you know, I believe Ruth Barrett was, while also a student of hers, was in some ways also a teacher. Um, you know, but I don't know that she necessarily had. You know, like I said, she was very much a foremother of this. So I don't mm-hmm. know if there was anyone before her really. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I can, I can see that. You know, she was sort of the first generation, uh, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. Now, before we get over to gods and radicals and um, and the Many Gods West conference, uh, was there mm-hmm. anything uh, more you wanted to say about uh, Shekinah maybe I didn't think to ask? Um, 
Let me think. I don't think so. I think we touched on okay. everything. Was she, uh, you know, and this might be a dumb question, but was she uh, was Shekinah Jewish? Um, she was culturally Jewish. Um, she did, um, you know, refer to herself as a Jew witch sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I just, you know, thought, you know, I didn't know if that's why she took the name Shekinah. You know, um, mm-hmm. do what was her what was her the name she was born with? Oh goodness. Oh, uh, you know, I don't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's, that's fair enough. Um, well, now you also want to do uh, talk a little bit about gods and radicals. Uh, that sounded really interesting to me because I don't think enough pagans are into politics. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you agree enough pagans are not into politics? I agree. <laughs> um, right. And that's... Yeah, that's probably a whole storm that I don't want to get into right now. But but gods and radicals... No, go ahead. Okay. Um, Well, Gods and Radicals is... um, We're a non-profit publishing company that publishes um, pagan religious responses to um, primarily anti-capitalism. That's kind of our... You know what we mostly do, but social issues in general too. So, um, and it was founded by Reed Wildermuth, um, who is you know really brilliant and his writing is spectacular. Um, and I serve on the board of Gods and Radicals. So, um, have there been any uh, stories in the news that um, that you guys have commented on uh, recently that you know we could sort of you know. Uh, you know, go there and, and read the pagan. I, well, so is it an online thing, or is it a uh, is is it a paper magazine? Um, it's actually both. So we do have an online blog, um, which is almost daily. Um, you know, it's only been going since Beltane, um, and the writing on there. Excuse me. It's just some of the most intelligent, brilliant, beautiful writing on the internet that I've ever seen, to be quite honest. <laughs> okay, um, okay. Yeah, and it's it's everything, you know, from it could be poetry, it could be rituals. Um, I write a semi-monthly column on um, performing magic um, to combat capitalism. Um, you know, it could be historical articles, it's just a wide variety of things. Um, but all of it is really, you know, we call it a site of beautiful resistance. So uh, we're yeah. So we're really trying to bring awareness to the problem of capitalism, how it affects our world, and how, as polytheists and pagans and magic workers, um, you know, as animists, as atheists, however you identify, how it's very much our responsibility, um, you know, to really pay attention to this and um, to do what we can to to reenchant the world, if you will. Well, you know, I have some articles written on this stuff. If you're, you know, if you consider outside submissions, let me know. You might Absolutely. see something. Um, and you know, another person who is a, um, who I found and interviewed on my show, and he also contributed to the anthology. Uh, you might already even know him, uh, Gus Dizarega. Um, uh, I remember. Mm-hmm. You, have you heard of him? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, when I read his quote. Uh, a pagan can no more be a rep- 
Republican than a Jew can be a Nazi, I knew he was for me. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, so anyway, and he's actually uh, going to be giving a talk at the upcoming uh, uh, Pagan Conference here in California, and, and the theme is social justice. And I thought, you know, finally, you know, it feels like it's starting to, you know, hit the mainstream, I think, a little bit more. I mean, I talked to Margot Adler, and one of the things we lamented before her passing was that there were not more pagans on the front lines, you know, fighting for social justice. And uh, But maybe this will change, you know, with more, um, you know, things like what you're doing and I'm doing here and Gus and Starhawk and, you know, other people out there. You know, I know uh, Selena Fox. Um, I'm, I'm sure there are other people I don't even uh, know about. But uh, I know I would get tired of, you know, pagans on Yahoo groups, you know, more concerned with what color candle to use on their altar than, you know, the, the real issues out there that, you know, are, are affecting all of our lives. <laughs> right, absolutely. Uh, yeah, anyway. So gods and radicals, we can just Google it and we'll find it? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and we do um, accept submissions from, you know, outside. Anyone um, is welcome to contact the editor who's read. Um, we also have a print journal that's going to be published uh, twice a year, and we're currently doing an Indiegogo for that. And this this whole thing is just, it really gives me hope because it has just exploded astronomically. Within, I think, eight hours or something, we had raised twice our fundraising goal, and right now we're at like 300 and something percent funded for this journal. Wow. So That's incredible. Yeah. So, it is incredible. Yeah. Well, you and, know, like you, yeah. well, you you said, you know, um, you know, magical people. You know, if we uh, we could put our efforts together, I mean, uh, it's Dion. Wasn't Dion Fortune famous for you know her workers over there in the UK? Um, the magical Battle of Britain. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Tell. Do you know a, a little bit about that? Maybe you can tell listeners. You know, I know I probably can't speak about it too intelligently. There's, um, but I do know um, Hecate Demeter's daughter um, has been doing um, kind of a series of blog posts about it. Um, there's been a couple of blog posts about it on Gods and Radicals, um, who wrote about it much better than I could probably speak about it. So, <laughs> but but the gist of it is, I mean, just in a in a thimble, a thimbleful. I mean, I'm sure there's there's yeah. more to know, but the the gist of it is that Dion Fortune and a lot of the pagan people over in the UK during World War II, um, I mean, some of them, you know, worked till they dropped, literally dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I, I heard, uh, but they believe yeah. that they they were responsible for keeping the Nazis from ever stepping foot uh, on you know on on English land, and. And I mean, who's to say they weren't? You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, I, I, I just, uh, I, I wish we could find that kind of solidarity to, um, you know, make that paradigm shift we all talk about happen. Yeah, and you know, we have such such incredible power available to us that we could use for things, you know, instead of like finding an extra five dollars to put in our pocket or, you know, getting the right candles or what have you. I mean, we have this power available to us that could really change the world if we just 
use it. <laughs> yeah, you know? and and look, you know, I know this. I don't know. Maybe my listeners, uh, you know, won't hold this against me, but if they do, oh well. I'm just being honest. Um, I get so angry sometimes when I go to these pagan events <clears throat> and the classes on sex magic and prosperity and how to find a lover. Those fill to the brim, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, sometimes I feel like the pagan community. Some people in the pagan community, I need to clarify that, some people in the pagan community get into this because they want to learn how to do things that serve themselves. Um, And I I think the problem is, and and I talk about this sometimes at some of the talks that I give, is that I, I don't think we've had enough foremothers and forefathers talking to us about being in service. You know, we learn mm-hmm. about magic and, and and wielding energy, and so it tends, I think, to, um, you know, it, it makes us want to use it for ourselves, of course. You know, we want to better our mm-hmm. lot in life, and there's nothing wrong with that. But can't we also be in service to humanity? Can't we care about social right. justice? You know, it isn't just like, you know, like goddess is an ATM machine, gimme, 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 gimme. You know, um, there's got to be some give back. And um, it annoys me that that ethics and reciprocity and integrity and all of these other sorts of caring and sharing um, don't become part of our liturgy, you know, part of our – I mean, because what do we have, the, the, um, you know, the, uh, the Wiccan read? You know, um, mm-hmm. we, uh, I, I know um, Reverend uh, Lorian uh, Vignier, who um, she passed away recently, but she ran Isis Oasis uh, in Geyserville mm-hmm. for many years. She put out the 42 Laws of Ma'at. Uh, but mm-hmm. I honestly don't know of, you know, many things out there for the pagan community that sort of guideposts to help us become better human beings or to sort of give us, you know, guideposts on, you know, how to how to live a better life and, you know, steer humanity. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> it's, it's like we need a pagan Ten Commandments, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. So it, it, would, mm-hmm. it, would, it would probably be the pagan, I don't know, would do it on runestones or something or on tarot cards, but I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah. I, I, did I, write I, a... I no. Go ahead. She, Shakina wrote what? Okay. Um, she wrote a, a. I can't remember the rest of it, but she called it a creda, um, which was basically her statement of ethics, um, you know, within the goddess tradition. Which you know, I part of um, what I may look at doing is trying to get that out there more, because um, I don't think many people really know about it. Um, at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that I think that would uh I think that would be a good idea and then um you know, it wouldn't just be this free for all, you know, it wouldn't be this mm-hmm. I mentality, you know, it would be a we mentality. Um, you know, and uh I think that's sort of the whole idea we need to, you know, to get across, you know, it's it's not about the I and the me, it's about the we. Right. Um okay. all right, so so many gods west, um a conference uh Pacific Northwest, tell me more. <laughs> so um so yes, the first conference was um this you know, was this previous month was um in August. 
and it's the first um, polytheist conference um, in the Pacific Northwest. I know there was a polytheist leadership conference um, on the East Coast um, a few years ago. I don't know exactly when. Um, but this was um, a conference in Olympia, Washington. Um, and it was, you know, a fairly small conference, but very, you know, well attended. I think we had like 150 people or so. Not too um, shabby. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was, you know, just it's a really beautiful experience. It's polytheist space, um, which I think is very difficult to come by sometimes. Um, so, so tell me what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a it was a conference for individuals who identify somewhere you know on the spectrum of polytheism, if you will, um, you know, a hard polytheist, soft polytheist, um, Wiccans who identify also as polytheist. Um, basically, it was a space for us to come together and discuss our experiences of working with, devoting to, serving, whatever word you choose to use. Um, the gods as actual beings, not you know as an archetype or um, as kind of this you know all one deity idea. Um, but what it means you mean? Is, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So not, um, but living um, you know in service to deity and spirits as you know non corporeal beings. Um, that hold us accountable and tell us to do things and <laughs> things and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so let me, you know, because I'm sure some of my listeners, you know, they might not be practitioners. They might be uh, goddess advocates because they're feminists, and maybe they aren't practitioners. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'll use myself for as, for an example. You know, I came up. I was ordained by Lady Olivia Robertson of the Fellowship of Isis. Uh, you know, back in Ireland many moons ago. And a lot of the people in the Fellowship of Isis, well, of course, were very eclectic. But those of us mm-hmm. that might be uh, lean toward the Egyptian deities, you know, they may mm-hmm. honor a number of the Egyptian deities. You know, Horus, Anubis. Uh, Hathor, Isis, uh, Sekhmet, would that qualify them as a polytheist as long as they weren't looking at the deities as archetypes? Um, you know, I mm, it's a little challenging for me to answer that because I don't want to say what qualifies anyone as a polytheist or as anything for that matter. Um, you know, the, but the general idea, um, definition of polytheism is the belief of in many gods and more than one mm-hmm. god. So if you okay. you know believe that the deities you worship are actual beings and that you know it's not just you know we have one goddess or one god and that's all there is then yeah um yeah well I, I you know I will confess to it depends on what day you ask me <laughs> right um, <laughs> you know because I I think about that um uh when uh Oh, I, if I say his name right, uh, Apollias, that uh, from that Roman story, the Golden Ass, and uh, Isis appears to him, and she and she rattles off all the names she is known by. Somebody could walk mm-hmm. away from that, thinking, "Hmm, Isis is the supreme goddess, and all of these other goddesses are just." facets of the same goddess, you know, like leaves on a tree or facets in a diamond. 
Um, so sometimes, you know, I, I, I struggle with, is goddess, is it monotheism or is it polytheism? And, um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it, like I said, I guess it depends on the day you ask me. And then, the, then there are days when I'm talking about goddess as an archetype, too, so I guess I'm eclectic. No, go ahead. Oh, um, well, now I've lost my train of thought, so it's okay. <laughs> well, I, uh, was it about the polytheism versus monotheism or maybe the conference, the Many Gods West? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... You know, as far as the conference goes, it's very much it's self-identified space. So if you feel like, you know, you identify as a polytheist in some form or another and feel like you could benefit from attending this conference, or even if you're not necessarily a polytheist but feel like you could get something, you know, out of attending polytheist, um, you know, lectures in space um, and can do that from a position of, not trying to tell all the polytheists they're crazy for talking to gods, <laughs> then, <laughs> then yeah, absolutely, you'd be welcome. So, <laughs> okay, well, and you know, who knows? I mean, one day you guys may be um, as big as um, Pantheacon up in uh, San Jose, because uh, I think that's probably the <laughs> the biggest one on the West Coast, and uh, yeah. they they had to they had to have started somewhere. So, um, yeah. you know, you may yeah. be filling up a hotel one day. Maybe, yeah. And, you know, I wasn't, I I attended the last Many Gods West, but I wasn't involved in the organizing of it. I did, I almost had sacrificed myself to the organization of, to helping organize it this time. <laughs> um, but we're very much still in the very beginning stages of that. So, you know, we'll see what happens and what develops. And, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, well, Siren, I think that about covers, um, I think, what we were going to chat about. Um, but, um, you know, if, if there's something else you've thought of uh, before we say goodnight, um, uh, now's the time. <laughs> um, no, I think that about covers it. Okay. Well, listen, uh, pass along to the, um, you know, the folks that are doing the, uh, you know, to Shakina's daughter or whoever would want to know. If, um, you know, they ever want to uh, have me do a commercial or two uh, to help them out, or uh, even if uh, they want to send me an audio file of some of Shakina's music, um, you know, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, p- play a little bit now and again. And, uh, you know, if, if, if it's helpful, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, um, you know, try to be supportive and, uh, you know, just let me know if there's anything I can do. Excellent. Yeah, I think she'll, you know, I'm not sure if she's listening now or if she'll be listening later, but she did say she was going to tune in, so. All right. Well, great. Well, you know, I'm so glad you contacted me uh, with this idea for a show. Uh, you know, uh, I, and I say that to my listeners, and, I, you know, I, I'm I'm glad some of them actually take me up uh, on the offer and uh, send in show ideas, and uh, glad mm-hmm. to be able to do this tonight for Shakina. Um you know, I'm I'm sure she's uh, you know she's beloved and uh, she's she's missed and you know this way, uh, so many people will um, be able to benefit from all of her work years to come and I'm I'm so glad this is happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for for holding this space for us. Oh no, no problem. It is it is most definitely my pleasure, and uh, and good night and um, I hope uh, you know Portland. 
you know, is, is a great home for you and, and the best of luck in everything you're doing. Thank you. Okay, good night. Good night. <clears throat> well, it is that time uh, when we are crossing the threshold. Uh, <coughs> and uh, just a little bit more here because my voice isn't going to hold out that long. Um, I want to encourage you to visit the beautiful Goddess Temple of Orange County, uh, open to the public Friday and Saturday afternoons uh, for meditation and viewing uh, the beautiful museum exhibits of Goddess from the Paleolithic to the present. Um, There at the Goddess Temple, you will experience Goddess spiritual celebration services every Sunday, rain or shine, from 11 to 1230. That's uh, uh, first three Sundays of the month are for women. And then fourth Sunday uh, is open to all genders and families. Uh, And, uh, you know, while the other three are just for adult women. And uh, and then Fridays from 5 to 7, I hope you... We'll check out the Temple's Venus Hour. Uh, It's Orange County's best happy hour with libations, snacks, music, movies. Uh, You can meet new people all for free. And if you want to find out more about the museum exhibits or the temple services or the many events and classes that they have at the Goddess Temple of Orange County, just go to their website, which is goddesstempleoc.com. Org, and that OC is for Orange County. And uh, I just happened today to get a picture um, from Ava Park, the center holder of the uh, temple. She sent me a picture of uh, Sekhmet on her pyramid throne. And uh, Sekhmet is regaled in her uh, autumn finery. Uh, she is uh, uh, beautifully clothed with a jeweled necklace and uh, uh, other finery as uh, she gets ready to enter the fall season. So you'll want to go over there and uh, and check her out. Uh, beautiful as she is, um, they change her look uh, every season, and um, I think she's pretty glorious. And also, uh, here's something new uh, I want to tell you about. Um, for some time here on the show, you know I've described the film Dancing with Gaia by Joe Carson. And uh, Joe's also written a book called Celebrate Wildness, uh, Magic, Mirth, and Love uh, on the Feriferia Path. Well, um, that book has just come out in a new expanded second edition. Uh, This is from a review from Steve Posh, uh, who's the author of Radio uh, Paganistan, Folk Tales of the Urban Witches. Uh, He says about this new book, Celebrate Wildness, and I quote, A scintillating new book by filmmaker Joe Carson in expanded second edition now gives access to Fred Adams' 50 years of uh, life work, rapturous poetry, erotically charged ritual, glowing surreal paintings, and an overall vision of a human culture utterly defined by wilderness, eros, and goddess, unquote. So, um... Uh, and it celebrate wildness, magic, mirth, and love on the Feriferia Path. Uh, initiate Joe Carson unfolds the sumptuously petaled flower of the Feriferian vision with a stunning simplicity and clarity that would have left Fred Adams grinning with boyish delight. Celebrate Wildness is a visually stunning compendium of poetry rituals, musings, and essays illuminated by Adams' own kaleidoscopic artwork. So check it out. Uh, You can find uh, Celebrate Wildness um, 
at the website, ferraferia.org, and I'll spell that for you. It's F-E-R-A-F-E-R-I-A. Okay. Now, um, I do not think I'm going to be with you next Wednesday. Uh, unless something changes in the next few days, I will be taking off next week. Uh, but I will be with you uh, the first uh, Wednesday in uh, October. And um, after that, uh, you know, we have some great guests for the month. So uh, please, next week, if um, you need a fix of Voices of the Sacred Feminine, there's lots of great stuff. Uh, in the archives. I'm sure there's some things you um, haven't had a chance to check out yet, so please do. Um, you know, go to the archives and find something new. Um, and remember, uh, if you can, go to my website, KarenTate.com, uh, and once you're there, go to the Goddess Store page, and I'm going to do my PBS thing uh, to help me keep the show on the air because I do pay for airtime out of my pocket. If you would be so kind uh, as to send a small donation of any amount, it would be greatly appreciated. Or while you're there at the Goddess Store page, check out uh, some of my uh, several books or the Goddess greeting cards uh, or maybe even order yourself a sistrum. Yes, indeedy, a handmade sistrum. All right. Well, I think we're going to call that uh, call it a night because my voice is uh, just about gone, and I will close tonight out with um, a prayer, uh, a meta prayer by Celia. Uh, so enjoy, dear listeners, and um, until we meet again week after next. Have a great, uh, great weekend, and uh, stay cool if you can. Here's uh, Celia's meta prayer. Enjoy.
It's me, Mickey. <laughs> it's Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland Park. Gonna be so cool. Mickey's Halloween party at Disneyland Park is on very special nights, September 23rd through October 31st. Visit Disneyland.com/party for ticket prices and details. Space is limited. Boo! Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.